Welcome back, everybody. We have heard some very nice, interesting uh, information uh, from the previous speakers today. Uh, let's hear about benefits of obtaining a second residency, citizenship and passport. And there is nobody better I know of than Joel Nagel, founder of managing partner of Nagel and Associates. You have uh, heard him talking yesterday. Joel, please tell us all about this. Thank you, Michael. I, I like your, your background today. It looks like you've, uh, you've changed climates from the mountains to the beach. So I wish yes. we could all, I wish we could all change that, that quickly, but uh, 38 degrees sunshine. Yeah, it's great. Great to be with you. And uh, again, thanks for having me back to, to talk about a topic that, you know, I think in, in recent times, particularly the last year with uh, COVID has really skyrocketed in terms of awareness in people's mind. Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of people maybe felt like they were trapped in the last year. So, you know, a lot of, we get more and more calls every day about people asking about this subject. Um, you know, how can they get residency? How can they get citizenship? How can they get a passport somewhere else? So I wanna spend most of my time just sort of running through a number of the more popular uh, jurisdictions. Uh, after the lunch break, we're going to assemble a panel and we'll, be, we'll be having more of a discussion. I think there'll be a lot more time for, for Q and A. Uh, again, if, if this is a topic that's very interesting to you, it's something you wanna pursue, uh, you know, don't hesitate to let me know. We'd be happy to help you. Um, there are several of the attendee packages that include a free consultation. So check with Michael, check with Dan, get the package that includes consultations. And um, if you um, ask them to connect you with, with me and my firm, we'll be happy to help you sort of sift through this process. Again, um, it's becoming more and more popular. I can tell you that early in my career, um, I've been at this now for 31 years. Early in my career, when I would be at conferences and I'd be talking about, you know, asset protection, estate planning, maybe some legal structures to buy real estate or whatever it was, there would be one squirrely guy in the back of the room that wanted to talk about residency and citizenship. And, um, you know, I'd gladly go off and have a coffee and talk for 15 minutes or half an hour with that person nobody really cared that much about it, right? If you have a US passport, if you have a Canadian passport, if you have a European passport, you know, these are some of the best passports in the world. So why would you need a second passport? I think that that thinking though is, has, you know, it started to change slowly, um, maybe after the, um, the Patriot Act was first established back after 9-11. Um, I think with some of the, um, the implementation of uh, certain laws, particularly the FBAR uh, implementation, FATCA, some of the reporting requirements made it very, very difficult, particularly for people who already lived abroad. You know, in, in uh, 2007, 2008, when all the Swiss banks were basically kicking out American citizens, um, you know, I had a, my wife's uncle had lived in Zurich for 50 years never had a problem and, and now all of a sudden his his bank account was being closed down i think when these types of things started to happen it really made people assess this issue 
you know, you have many, many newsletter writers talking about plan B, plan C, you know, where do you, where, what's your doomsday plan if something goes wrong. But in addition to that, you have more and more people that just want the ability to live, retire, work anywhere they want. And while a U.S. and Canadian passport, while those are still great passports, we do see their limitations, particularly when you want to live longer periods of time. So that's really what spurred a lot of the um, interest in this uh, activity in, in getting a second residence and a second uh, passport. And, and let me be clear, um, let's not confuse getting a residency citizenship or passport with expatriation. Expatriation is the act of giving up one's citizenship. Now, under US law, you cannot give up your US citizenship if you don't have another citizenship, because you cannot become stateless. You can't not be, you know, I, people tell me that all the time. No, I, I'm not a member of any country. I'm a person of the world. Um, no, that doesn't exist. You must be a citizen of a country. You must have a passport. Um, and if not, then the U.S. simply doesn't uh, recognize your ability to give up your U.S. Uh, citizenship. So those are two distinct things. Many, many, many people now are looking to get second residency, second citizenship passports. Very few, although the number is also growing, are looking at the issue of expatriating and giving up their citizenship. So, all right. So that's a little bit of background. Um, before we jump into the specific countries, though, you know, I want to touch a little bit on the ways that people get citizenship. Okay, most everybody on this uh, conference, your primary citizenship came from your birth, either where you were born physically, countries like the United States. If you are born in the United States, you are a US citizen. It does not matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter if they're, if they're legal, illegal. If you were born in the US, you are automatically a US citizen. Other countries, it's not that way. It depends on um, the nationality of your parents. So that moves from the, the place of where you're born to your ancestry. Ancestry is also one of the ways that citizenship uh, is bestowed. It's also, you have a number of European countries, for example, that you know even if it was your, your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, you can go back and reclaim your citizenship if the citizenship is based on ancestry. So we get a lot of people from countries like Italy, the UK, Ireland, uh, that are looking to reestablish citizenship based on ancestry. Then you're gonna have naturalization. That's when you move to a country, you live there, you become a full-time resident, you live there for a number of years, and after some period of time, generally it's five or six years, some cases it can be, you know, 12 years. And in, in the case of Andorra, it's 20 years. Um, then you can apply for citizenship. So you have where you're born, you have the ancestry, um, you have naturalization. And then the last category is what I would call residence or citizenship by investment. And that's largely what I'm going to be talking about today. That's where countries have set up proactive programs to encourage investment. And if you jump through the proper hoops and hurdles of investment in that country, 
then you get automatic residence that leads to citizenship or you get um, automatic citizenship. And I'm gonna go through those two categories today. Now, a lot of people think that this is sort of a new development. Uh, I was reading a, a story um, not too long ago about one of my very, very good friends. He's a, he's a Swiss immigration, emigration lawyer. I have very high regard for him. He's one of the best lawyers in the business in this field. Um, and the article was referring to him as sort of the, the father of the, the, the second residency passport um, movement. And I, I really had to chuckle and I had to go pull my Bible off the shelf. And I, I'll admit that I had to wipe some of the dust off of it. Um, but as I opened and, and scanned through it, I had to go to the index because I couldn't exactly remember where it was. Uh, but lo and behold, it's Acts, the, uh, the New Testament, the book of Acts in the 22nd chapter, the 28th verse. Um, just to give you the background, the Apostle Paul has been converted to Christianity and he's running around now um, preaching the gospel and um, he's getting people really, really worked up because he's challenging their, their belief system. And in this particular um, narrative in the Bible, the Apostle Paul has been seized by an angry mob and um, the Roman troops swoop in um, to sort of save him on the one hand, but also to, to punish him on the other hand for causing this ruckus. And they're, they're actually laying him out tying his hands and legs to posts, taking his shirt off, and they're preparing to, to whip him. And the Apostle Paul asks a question. He says, um, is it legal for you to beat a Roman citizen who's not been tried of any crime? And um, that strikes fear into the heart of the to the Roman citizen and he go, the Roman soldier, excuse me, and he goes and he gets his commander and the commander runs over and uh, says, are, are you, indignantly says, are you a Roman citizen? And uh, Paul says, yes. He explains where he was born, uh, his parentage and why he's a Roman citizen. And the Roman commander responds, I had to pay a lot of money to get my citizenship. So here we have somebody who was born not a Roman who uh, through service in the military and through payment was able to become a Roman citizen. This is 2000 years ago. So you can understand why I was chuckling about my, my friend being uh, named the, the father of the modern um, residence and citizenship industry. I think he's, he's done a wonderful thing. Uh, he's helped uh, bright, broaden it and expand it and bring other countries into the into the fray, but he, he certainly didn't invent it. Uh, he's nowhere near old enough to have done that. Anyways, so that's a little bit of the history, a little bit of the background where citizenship comes from. You know, um, countries like the US, like Canada, they also are very, very involved in this business, if you will. The US has uh, an EB-5 and an E-2 visa. Uh, Canada still has a variety of investments that can lead to fast track residence and citizenship. So this is something that's been going on for a very, very long period of time. And I would say that, that I don't, I don't want to say all, certainly not all, but, but most countries have some kind of program that allows people to come in faster on a more, you know, expedited basis 
with fewer requirements like residency requirements if they make an actual investment. So that's really what we're going to be talking about um, for the next half hour or so. All right. Um, I, I want to start by talking about residency by investment. And I'm just going to pull up five or six countries that, that have popular programs. And same thing with the citizenship one. We'll maybe touch on 15 or 20 programs in total. Again, that's really just the tip of the iceberg. But these programs have been marketed, promoted. Um, you know, the shingle has been held out that they're open for business. Uh, some countries like St. Lucia, I'm going to talk about it in a little while, they um, actively marketed into the COVID um, crisis and said, look, you know, you don't have to come here to get your citizenship. Um, we'll do interviews via Zoom. We'll, you know, get your, your documentation um, notarized. And we, we saw the number of applicants there explode during COVID as people sought to get um, a, an alternate citizenship. But I'm going to start with residence by investment. And what that means is if you satisfy the qualifications, you become a, a, an, a, an instant resident. You're not yet a citizen, but you're a resident. You have something akin to a US green card or you know, um, a cedula in Panama and places like that, okay? It's permission to live full time in the country. So in most countries, once you get residents, you must live there full-time, nearly full-time, or at least 183 days, meaning that you are a what's considered to be a tax resident in that country. When you go through residency by investment programs, normally the residency requirement is substantially reduced or eliminated, okay? So instead of spending 183 days there, um, in countries like Portugal, you only have to spend seven days per year to maintain your residence. In Panama, it's one day every other year or even, even longer now. Um, countries like Belize don't even have a minimum uh, requirement in terms of days. So by making the investment, you get residence. You then still need to work through that residency period which could be, let's say on average five years. And at the end of that five years, you can then apply for citizenship. You don't have to, you can stay a, a permanent resident forever. You can live with the benefits that you've acquired through your investment, um, or you can decide, okay, I want to become a citizen and apply for citizenship, okay? So I'm gonna talk a little bit about these countries first, and then we'll switch gears and we'll talk about the citizenship by investment, which means you get to skip all of the residency and you just go straight to citizenship. So let me talk about the residency by investment countries first. Uh, I want to throw Belize up there. A lot of people know that Belize is a country that's near and dear to my heart. I spend a lot of time there. Um, Belize had in the past, many years ago, they did have an economic citizenship program. Uh, it was uh, canceled about 15 years ago. There's talk about bringing it back. Um, but in the meantime, they've got several residency programs. One that's been around for a long time is called the QRP, which is for retirees. Uh, it does not actually require an investment, but only proof that you uh, have a certain level of support from your investments, from your retirement, pensions, and Social Security, and things like that. Um, that 
isn't the main focus of, of my comments about Belize, but that's out there. You have to be 45 years of age or older, and you need to have um, a minimum income of $2,000 a month. Now, if you're going to come in under the investor visa program, which really just started last year, um, you must invest up to 200, you have to, you must invest a minimum of $250,000 in Belize. And that has to be an investment. Certain things are not considered to be investments. If you go and you buy your own yourself, a condo, a house, a plot of land uh, where you intend to build uh, something for yourself, that is not considered an investment. That's just a purchase. Okay. Investment means a business. Um, you're investing in a, uh, a hotel. You're investing in a condominium that's uh, for rental purposes. Um, things like that. If you can clearly document that it's for investment purposes, then $250,000 or more will qualify. I know I'm, I'm sure in the panel today, uh, Mike Cobb, Rachel Jensen, they'll, they'll touch on the Marriott project. Uh, the Marriott units, for example, are all pre-qualified to qualify you for residence if you want it by investing in, you know, one of those units and, and purchasing one. So Belize is, is uh, right up there. Again, after five years of the residence, you can apply for citizenship. Um, again, the, the economic citizenship uh, or instant citizenship may come back. It hasn't yet, uh, but we'll certainly keep people posted um, if, if they want. The Belize passport, it's a, I would say, middle of the road passport. It's not the greatest. It's not the worst. It's in the middle. Um, I think you have visa-free travel to about 80 or 85 countries in the world. Then we have Costa Rica. Costa Rica has a similar program to Belize, whereby if you purchase real estate that's for investment purposes, uh, again, something that's going to be rented, uh, something that's going to be utilized for a hotel, bed and breakfast, or you, know, you could invest in the agricultural sector or something, a business where you're going to start create jobs and uh, the, the Costa Rica minimum investment, again, $250,000. The Costa Rican passport is uh, a very solid passport and it's a little bit better than the Belize passport. It's good in uh, about 95 countries around the world without a visa. Next, we're gonna talk about uh, Cyprus. Now, Cyprus had up until recently last year, a citizenship by investment program um, it became subject to some scandal um, and, you know, because of European pressure, that program was canceled. Um, and so a lot of people thought, okay, that means that Cyprus is off the table. Uh, in that program, you had to invest a minimum of 2 million euros to qualify. What a lot of people didn't realize or didn't understand was that the cancellation of that program was strictly focused on the citizenship by investment, not the residence by investment. And they do have a residence by investment program still. It's 350,000 euros. That's about right now, a little over $400,000. It has you know, a very good tax system. It has great weather, great food. It's uh, somebody once described it as, you know, all of the, all of the charm and beauty of Greece uh, in an English-speaking um, country that feels like it's run by the Brits. So you kind of have your, your cake and eat it too with Cyprus. I personally really do 
like Cyprus. And uh, the Cypriot passport is considered to be a very, very good uh, passport. Um, then I mentioned Greece already. I'm going to mention it here again because Greece has the lowest level of for, for European countries for residents by investment. Um, Portugal gets close in some cases, but Greece is the absolute lowest. So if a client calls me and says, I would like the cheapest um, residence by investment program in Europe that eventually leads to citizenship, the answer is Greece. It's 250,000 euros. That's uh, still under 300,000, but with the, with the exchange rate, that's pushing about $300,000. And they're also pretty limit, um, pretty liberal in what you buy. Whereas I was talking a minute ago about Belize and Costa Rica, how it had to be, you know, for the um, tourism sector or investment. Greece is pretty liberal. You can pretty much buy whatever you want. If you buy a little house here on one of the islands, uh, it's over, you know, 250,000 um, euros, then you will qualify. The, the Greek passport being part of the European Union is in, you know, the top 20 or so passports in the world. It's, a, it's an excellent, excellent passport. Okay, next, jumping back to Central America, we have Panama. And, you know, Panama historically has been the low cost um, option. You know, the friendly nation visa was something that people could qualify for with investments in the, you know, low five to $10,000 range. Um, you had investments, agricultural investments, $10,000, $15,000 that would qualify for the friendly nation visa. As of a week ago, um, Panama has changed its law. It will be much more like Belize and Costa Rica, meaning you will have to make a much more substantial investment. Uh, and that investment is uh, $250,000 US dollars. Um, in the meantime, however, the law is permitting uh, folks to come in under the old regime uh, for 90 days from the publishing of the new law, which was last week. So you basically have uh, June, July, August, you have till about mid-August to um, apply and come in under the, the old regime, which is a much, much lower cost. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more on the roundtable panel discussion after lunch, after the lunch break. We'll talk a little bit about that. And if, if that's something that you really want to do and you're, you know, geared up to do it and you can run around quickly and gather your documentation, make a trip to Panama, you know, you, you still have the opportunity to come in under the, the old regime um, where you can set up a company and a bank account and make a a very modest uh, investment. You don't have to hire any employees or anything like that. And again, one of the beautiful things about Panama is that you only have to show up, you know, every other year or something like that. It's it's very very liberal on the residency uh, aspect. Okay, um, the Panamanian passport again. It's it's sort of in in the range of the other um, Central American ones. I think it's it's a little bit above Costa Rica. Um, and um, it recently uh, became the first country in Central America to establish diplomatic relations with uh, China, with mainland China. And um, so it, it is 
expanding the horizon of you know what you can do with a Panamanian passport. All right, and I just also want to mention Portugal. Portugal has probably become the number one European country. A lot of people still like Spain. I, I didn't even put Spain on this list because, quite frankly, um, it's it's expensive, it's bureaucratic, and it's hard to maintain your your status. Portugal has really, you know, tried to follow all the European rules and regulations when it comes to, you know, how to implement a good residency program. Um, they have a standard application that's 500,000 euros. That can be anything you want, anywhere you want. If you want to buy a gas station somewhere, apartment building, bed and breakfast, uh, vacant lot, um, there are other things you can invest in besides real estate. Um, you can invest in certain types of, of um, technology funds. Um, there are really quite a lot of options. Now, Portugal has also announced that it will be changing its program. And it, it's changing it in the sense that most of the capital has been flowing into um, certain areas, primarily Lisbon, the Algarve on the Mediterranean and Porto. And so those three areas are essentially being excluded from the program after December 31 this year. Um, but as you move out into the rest of the country, you, you had the standard 500,000, then you had a, um, a discounted 400,000 if you're in a less populated area, which when you take those three areas away, most of the rest of the country would be at that 400,000 level. Then you get into properties that are considered to be historic rehabs that uh, drop it to the investment to 350,000. And then finally, if you overlay the last two, meaning a historic property in a rural area, you could bring that investment all the way down to 280,000. So I mentioned Greece was the absolute cheapest at 250. If you if you go to uh, some of the programs that qualify, some of the rehab type uh, projects, you can get to 280,000 in Portugal. I really love the Portuguese program. Um, you know, it's it's very straightforward. You have to spend one week per year there, which is really just a nice vacation, um, and. Um, I know ECI is is working on a project right now um, to uh, develop a historic property in the Azores, and the Azores are really special because it, it it's part of Portugal, um, but they're basically like imagine the Hawaiian Islands. Uh, they are the the tops of of mountains and volcanoes that are about two thirds of the way across the Atlantic between uh, Boston and Lisbon. So. You know, you can jump on a plane in, in Boston and be there in about three and a half hours. Um, and you have really wonderful Portuguese culture, food, uh, very low cost of living, which is surprising for the islands. And uh, the project will meet that lowest threshold um, or, or be at that $350,000 um, historic threshold. So those are primarily the, oh, and, and, and the Portuguese passport, by the way, is considered to be one of the top passports in the world. I think it was recently ranked number five in the world. All right, um, next I wanna just jump, oh, I forgot Nicaragua. 
there it is, Nicaragua. Nicaragua, they're, they're also undergoing some, some uh, changes. Maybe we'll talk about that in the panel later, but the advantage of Nicaragua is it's really the, one of the lowest uh, cost uh, places. You, the, the amount of income and wealth that you have to show to move to Nicaragua and become a Nicaraguan resident is something around, I believe it's around $1,200. So there's really nothing cheaper, lower, and it's a, it's a beautiful uh, country, warm climate, warm people. All right. Um, now, now I want to talk a little bit about citizenship by investment. And as I mentioned, with the residency by investment, you get your residency and then you work through a period of years before you qualify for citizenship. With citizenship by investment, you're basically skipping all of that. You're, you're, you're jumping through whatever hoop or hurdle the government requires. You're making whatever investment is required. In some cases, just a straight payment to the government. Um, but in return, you know, assuming you pass a due diligence background check, you're not a, a criminal, a drug dealer, a money launderer, a tax evader, any of those things, then you qualify immediately for citizenship. So let's just run quickly through some of the citizenship by investment uh, countries. Um, in the Caribbean, you have a cluster of six um, island countries. Start here with Antigua. In fact, uh, Michael, I, I, am, am, I, am I short on time? Do I still have 15 minutes? I don't think we have that much time. Somehow we scheduled it too tight, but uh, there, are, there is so much interest in this is it possible that you could bring up this all these things in the panel after yeah, lunch? Sure, sure. Let me let me just zip down through the country so people know what they are, and then we'll expound on it more in the in the panel. I'm sorry, I I Thank had you. down here that I had 45 minutes, and when you came on and started looking at me, I thought, uh oh, am, am I already out of time? Um, <laughs> let me just let me just quickly run through them so people know, and then we'll talk about the ones that they want to talk about in the in the panel discussion. So. Uh, Antigua, again, it's a Caribbean passport. It's, it's uh, ranked about 38th in the world in terms of its quality. Um, we jump, I guess these are alphabetical. We jump to Austria, literally one of the best passports in the world. Also, the, one of the most expensive uh, in the world. And you know, you, you, you'll have to invest upwards of 7 million euros uh, to qualify for an Austrian passport. Um, Bulgaria is another, you know, former Soviet Union, but now it's, you know, integrating more into the West, into the EU. And um, for that reason, I like it. It's uh, one of the less expensive European countries. Um, back to the Caribbean, Dominica. I really love Dominica. It has a very low uh, threshold in terms of its cost structure uh, for buying property, just a, a tad over $200,000 gets you in the door there. Grenada, another um, Caribbean country, you basically write a check to the government for 100,000 and you're in. Um, Malta, again, one of the top European uh, options. You, it will cost you a pretty penny. It's one of the more expensive. There's a government donation uh, that's gonna be right around a million dollars that you, you don't get anything back. It's just a straight, uh, donation, but it's considered one of the best passports. St. Kitts, back to the Caribbean, it's been around one of the longest citizenship by investment countries. St. Lucia, 
another country. I would probably like to talk about that in the panel more because they have a, a bond program pretty pretty impressive right now. It's half price because of COVID and uh, that makes it affordable. Plus it's a bond, meaning you get your money back. So you give up the interest, but you get your, you get your principal back. Um, I threw Vanuatu in here just because it's a, it's a low cost country. It's on the other side of the world. We haven't really talked much about Asia and the Pacific. Vanuatu came out, they were the first country to say they would accept uh, for payment. It's also a little over $100,000 cryptocurrency. So those are those are pretty much that that you made me run through that and uh, way too way too fast, Michael. But I will uh, gladly circle back and, and talk in more depth about any of those countries that people want to hear. And on that note, I'll turn the mic back to you, and uh, I'll guess I'll see you after the lunch break. Thank you very much for uh, all this information, uh, and these are very valuable information. Uh, so I urge everybody to please sign up for the Silver Access at least. It's only ninety-nine dollars to to have a permanent record of all these good things that we learned. Uh, we will see you uh, after lunch again, Joel. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael.